Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, for sharing earlier. I really appreciate uh, hearing people's journeys. I don't know if you enjoy it. I love to hear people's journeys and their struggles and their successes and uh, I appreciate also to the uh, just giving God glory uh, that it's it's about him and that he makes us pulls us drags us <laughs> uh, encourages us gets us moving uh, because living for him seeking after him is worth it uh, it's, it's so worth it and it's life transformational I want to share with you a passage Matthew 6 this morning uh, Matthew six twenty four through 27. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let me read that again. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds you, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life. And yet, most of us think we can add life <laughs> if we worry. Yes, today we're going to talk about money. Are you ready? All right, so put your hands in your pocket, the wallet side, be ready to pull it out. We're going to be, no, that's not, that's not the point. We're going to be talking about money because money seems to be, for a lot of us, the, to accumulating it, trying to find it, Chasing after it seems to be the focus of our life, our stress, and for most of us, it's where we focus all of our time and energy. And uh, as a result, uh, we have ulcers, and we have heart attacks. Our life is not enjoyable, and we spend a lot of time, so much time, usually trying to make money that we don't ever get to use it. I love this story of Johnny. He says, if you had $50, this is a, a math question for Johnny. Johnny says, if you had $50, the teacher asked Johnny, Johnny, if you have $50 and you ask your father for 30 more, how many dollars would you have? He said, I would have $50. <laughs> and the teacher said, you don't know math, Johnny. He said, no, no, you don't know my father. <laughs> yeah. Money isn't everything, right? It, it can buy a house, but not a home. Uh, money can buy a bed but not sleep, especially for some reason in the city of Ventuk. It can buy a clock, but not time. It can buy a, you a book, but not knowledge. It can buy a position, but not respect. I think you know where I'm headed with this. Uh, it can buy you medicine, but not health. It can buy you blood, but not life. It can buy you sex, but not love. Money isn't everything. 
It, it stresses us out. So this morning, I'd just like to ask you as your friend, just want to relieve your stress. So just give your money to me, and I'll take this burden from you <laughs> this morning. I sound like a prosperity gospel preacher now. Sorry about that. Um, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Money this morning, uh, according to Scripture that we read, is not the issue, is it? Uh, worry is. It's worrying about it. That's the problem. It's the, it's the loving of it over loving God. That's the problem. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. Imagine a world where birds worried. Never. Uh, my wife and I were just at a, at a, at a park uh, just south of Ventuk, uh, Namib Desert area, and just absolutely beautiful. And we, we went down there for a couple of days just to hang out and do some work, distracted work. It was very nice. And uh, we sat down to have some coffee, and uh, this bird came over, just stood there. I, I just envisioned him, no hands, but envisioned him with his hands in his pocket because he just stood there looking at us going, and talked to us, hoping, hoping, asking for, for food. And, but not worried about it, just very casual, nonchalant about it, very, very cocky, very straight, very bold. And, and Dana said, we are not going to give you any food. And this bird just looked at her, flew off, and pouted under a table next, near us. The birds just don't worry, though, right? They just they live their lives, and God supplies. In, in the case of Namib, Namib Desert, uh, God is supplying their, their abundant needs through tourists. Sophie Tucker, the, uh, a comedian that uh, worked in the States for many years, an immigrant actually from the Ukraine, said this, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. Uh, I think most of us would probably agree with that, right? That uh, we would prefer to have money than not have it. Uh, otherwise, we live uh, in, in, for many of us, uh, we live uh, with a lot of stress in our lives. Uh, look at Matthew 6, though, verse 25 and following. It says this, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body. There's only verse 27 up there, I believe. Yes, yes. So don't stress if you're doing my PowerPoint this morning. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Yes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And this is in verse 27. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? The fact of the matter is, is that worry is very destructive. Uh, it doesn't help us. It doesn't increase our ability to think and process. Uh, it actually creates a, a secretion in our body called cortisol, which over time will give you major, major health problems. Uh, it, it's disastrous. It's destructive. It's not helpful. Worry does not solve our problems. Jesus is asking us here not to worry about our food. Very important, very important that we eat. Don't worry about the most basic, important needs of mankind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't focus there. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Some of us need to worry more about what they're wearing. I'm just joking. Um, don't worry about what you wear. Uh, this morning, I came in this morning, and I had the shirt on, and I realized, you know what? I'm a little too heavy for this shirt. And uh, as I walked in this morning, I was thinking to myself, good grief, this is, man, now you're all focused here. Sorry about that. Uh, but, yeah. My thoughts were walking in this morning was, you know, these, these buttons here on my shirt are hanging on a little too tight. They're just going, please, you know, anyway. 
But we're not supposed to worry about that, right? We're not supposed to focus on that. It's not supposed to be our, our focus. Do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Look at Matthew 6, verse 31. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Because who does this? Who worries? Pagans, Jesus says. For the pagans run after these things. And, all, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus is fully aware of our needs. Jesus is aware of this button that's struggling on for dear life right here on my shirt. It's something he needs to be concerned about. I need to probably be concerned about it a bit more than I am. But worry is essentially distrust of God, right? That's what it is. A non-Christian view of God is that of a jealous, jealous, capricious, unpredictable God. Beyond reach. He doesn't care for us but not characteristic of one who calls God Father. If we really consider him to be our father, he, and if he truly is your father because you follow him, you're a child of his, then you need to have more faith in the one who loves you. We're invited to, to place faith in him instead of worry about this life. Jesus is essentially saying to us, don't worry because I love you more than birds and flowers. We are more valuable than birds and flowers to God. We used to have a friend that we enjoyed camping with. And just a little tip here, a side note, this is free. You should choose who your camping friends are. We really enjoyed camping with them. Everything was great except for at dinner time. We would sit down and our friend, while we were eating one meal, he would start talking about the next meal. This is really good. What are your plans for tomorrow morning for breakfast? What do you think we should do? They used to drive us all a little crazy, but we loved camping with them. The Jews would say this, he who has a loaf in his basket, but worries about what he will eat tomorrow is a man of little faith. If you have food now and you're worried about tomorrow, then your faith is not that great. The man who continually feeds himself on the memory of what God has done in the past for him will never worry about the future. Let me say that again. Worry is the man who continually feeds himself on the memory of what God has done for him in the past will never worry about the future. Worry refuses to learn the lesson of life. Worry refuses to learn the lesson of life. The statement in Scripture from Jesus is not a statement against money or against hard work. It's a statement against worry. And it's a statement about who we should love over what we usually love more than anything else, money. It's not a statement against us actually working for money, trying to figure it out. The invitation is not that we just do nothing except for worry. We're invited not to worry, but to work hard. If you look through Scripture, you see that uh, those who wrote Scripture, those who were inspired by God to write Scripture, Paul was actually a hard worker. He was a tent maker. Luke, the Apostle Luke, was a physician, a doctor. Matthew was a tax collector. Peter was what? A fisherman. Right. Worked hard at it. Noah, what was Noah? He was a unintentional shipwright, right? He made ships, right? 
Just seeing if you're out there. A shipwright is a carpenter who builds and launches wooden vessels, just in case. We're invited to work hard. Proverbs 14 says this, verse 23, all hard work brings what? A profit. But mere talk leads only to what? Poverty. Poverty. We're invited to work. The scripture does not teach that we should be lazy. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 20, verse 4, he says, a sluggard does not, a sluggard is a lazy person, is it? A slugger does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. The problem is not money. The problem is the love of money, where that's your focus. If, you're, if we're intent on focusing and loving money, if that's, if that's our treasure and our greatest treasure is money, it's going to lead to extreme stress and worry. However, if we love God more than money, then, then God who loves you more than anyone you know and loves you more than any then he loves any other part of his creation, that God will love you and that we rest in him and we live a life without worry, but loving him and after him and focusing on him. Because he says, Matthew 6, verse 24, you can't serve two masters, right? Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. All through scripture, there's so much conversation about money. I don't know if you realize this or not. It's not exempt from the comments of money. Paul talked about it this way. He said this, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good. To be rich in what? Good works. To be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure for a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of, of that which is life indeed. Why did Paul say this? And Because early on in that same letter, he writes this, he says this, but people who long, this is verse nine, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Let me pause there just for a moment. I think all of us can tell a story of, of a real life example where we chased after money and it just about ruined us. I, I think probably most of us in this room, and if you're online as well, you've chased after something, you've chased after money in such a way that it almost destroyed you. It was only when you decided to say, okay, I'll put all that aside. God's going to be first in my life. I'm going to seek after him. That's when things sorted out in your life. It's chasing after him who owns everything, who is over all things. It is, it is chasing after him where there's peace. Verse 10, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, Paul says this, for the love of money is what? It's, it's the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Many sorrows. You look at rich people. A great example in our world today is if you look at Hollywood stars who are you know, so big, so popular, uh, super wealthy, and yet they just can't seem to manage life. Have you seen that? Uh, some of them have figured it out, but most of them are rich and unhappy, not never satisfied. 
Let me say this again, though. Jesus is not telling us to be poor, right, in this passage. He wants us to love the poor, but he's not asking us to be poor. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying don't work. He's not saying, but spend your life. He says don't work. He's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't get a degree in business or economics or accounting. If you're an accountant this morning, you're welcome at New Song Family Church. If you have a master's degree in business or economics, you're more than welcome. But he is asking us not to stress about money. The invitation is to, to love him. Jesus does not condemn legitimate concern for responsibilities, but rather the continuous mindset that dismisses God's presence. It, it's this lifestyle of, of passing God away from us, setting him aside, that is the problem. And being consumed completely by money instead of him. Destructive anxiety subtracts, subtracts God from the future. Anxiety removes God from your future. You face uncertainties with absolutely no faith. You spend your time just worrying and stressed about the cares of this world. That's the parable that Jesus told too. He said, listen, you know, the, the people who are not fruitful, people who have no fruit are the ones who actually have become distracted by the cares of this world. Worry is the dark room where negatives become glossy prints. And that's also, Cindy, uh, an, old, an old reference there for all of us. You remember the days when you used to take pictures and develop film? They did it in a dark room, and then over time, these pictures appeared on a piece of paper. You remember those days, any one of you? Yeah. Now we just take pictures, instantaneous reward. We don't have to process it in a dark room, but worry is a dark room where negatives become lost prints. Worry will not add a single day to your life. Actually, it'll steal your day. It'll steal a day from you. It'll ruin your day. Don't worry about what to do. What, what to do. Don't worry about your money, but then what do you do in place of that? What, so if we're just told not to worry, then what do we do in place of worrying? Anyone? What do you do? What do you do? You seek first his kingdom. Look at Matthew 6, verse 19. He says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I can't show Jesus my garage. Let me say that again. Um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves where? Treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. We're going to hop a few verses here and get to verse 33. It says this. It's still up there. It says, but seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek him first. Invest in him. Don't worry, but invest in him. This morning, I know we could look at all of you and just say, stop worrying. Stop it. And most of us would say, how? 
the way that's done is to replace your worry with love for God. Invest in Him. And stop trying to find the latest mutual fund or other investment. Invest in Him. And let God move. I want to pause as we continue this morning just to see maybe if this is your worldview. It's a great time as we're listening to God say, don't worry, seek Him first, is to ask about what our view is of Jesus Christ. Very often we approach life uh, incorrectly because we have this view of, of Jesus that is incorrect. Let me poster, postulate a few ideas maybe that maybe we're thinking. Is your view that Jesus Christ was created by the world? Is that your view? That Jesus was created by the world? In other words, that the religious community has created him, that society has created this God, this deity, in our own minds. He's like a superhero, if you will, and we've, we've created him. We've invented him uh, because uh, this superhero, Jesus, distracts us uh, from the important realities of this world and gives us some pleasure in a world that we can't really manage anyway. And so this is basically the, the great distraction. We've created this superhero in our minds, and just like going to see a movie, uh, he is our, he's our creation that we've, we've invented. Uh, and this is an expression of our culture that here he is, boom, we've created him, and it's just a, a, a false, uh, like a mythical creature that we, that we worship in some way just to distract us from the realities of this world. It's like going to see a movie. If this is your view, then, then you separate him from your finances. If you have a, a fairy tale God, then he's usually separate from your finances. Uh, you, so basically in your world, you, you go off, you just want to escape from the realities and stress of this world. He's your sort of imaginary friend and unable to handle any of your finances. He's like a hobby or a warm blanket that, that can comfort you but can't help you fix a tire on your car. Is this your worldview? Jesus is something that's been created or invented by culture and society. Or is Jesus Christ, in your, in your view, he's real, but that he's against the world, that he's against the world that you live in? Like, like a military invader, you know, like a, 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 a general who comes in and invades this place, and, but he has real no authority in this world. He just comes in and, and he's here. And that when you decide to follow him, um, you're basically using him as your escape. He's your escape. You kind of run to him. He's your shelter against this world. It's, it's Jesus Christ against the world, basically. And that's, what a lot, that's how a lot of us live. We, we use terms like escape and withdraw and reject and isolate and insulate. We insulate ourselves from this world. We, we, try to, we follow Christ so that we can escape this place or escape the realities of this world. And essentially, you operate in life by imposing sanctions on the world and, and depriving the world of, from, of yourself and of God. In other words, you, you set your life up in such a way that people can't get close to you. You don't let them into your circle. And so people don't experience your God. You basically are, are serving this general who is not part of this world at all, but he is against the world. Maybe that's your view. If this is your, this is your position... You're ignoring uh, the God who prayed for us to, to be in the world, but, but not of it. 
This alternate view of the world is that uh, God only sanctions one culture. Only this separate culture. The other cultures are evil and, and wrong and, and not from him. The Christian culture. Maybe, the, maybe you would add the Jews as well. But you would... Uh, that the, 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 Christ, the Christian world and the Jewish community is this world and, and it's, it's God against the world. It's possible, though, that maybe your perspective is Christ above the world, that, that Jesus is somewhere up there, distant, beyond our touch, that he's way up there. Not really supreme, that God sort of created certain morals And then he basically, you know, created this toy. He wound it up and, and just let it play out. And the world is basically running, but it's slowing down over time. But it's distant and separate from God entirely. God hovering somewhere up there. We protect this world and work ourselves into the ground until we die without him. Without perspective. Work hard and don't get distracted by prayer in church. God set certain morals in place and we are to adhere to these. Now we just work hard and just try to make it until maybe someday we die. That's what that perspective leads to. Or possibly you believe that there's, there's two separate. There's the, uh, there's the God that hovers over, uh, over us, but then there's this dark, dark world that's under us and that there's a huge gap in between the, this world and, and that world. And so you spend your time trying to work hard, but you try to then appease the lower deities. You try to, you know, uh, give offerings to them to make sure they don't hurt you in any way. What is your worldview? What is your view of Christ? Maybe you see that Christ is beside the world, but, but not really part of it. He's just kind of hanging out with you, and uh, he's there. As though that, uh, you know, you receive Christ and then we become amphibians. You know, we just uh, are, you know, separate from the other world. is horrible and always will be. And we're sort of stuck in this world until, you know, Jesus returns. Christ, in your perspective, is a good man, but not really God. So you kind of like him, think he's cool. Uh, but you're kind of stuck in this world with Jesus. Then there's this alternate view, and uh, I should have only given you maybe three points because people can't follow past three points, you know. You're going, which am I now? I don't know where I stack up. But Christ everywhere and through, the transformer of the world, that's, that's, that's the right perspective, that Christ is everywhere. He's sovereign. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. He's through. He's the transformer of the world. And from this perspective, the appropriate relationship between faith and culture is a transformational approach. It's that Christ is everywhere and that Christ transforms culture. And that we are basically in, not basically, we are in his world. And that as, as, as his creation, we sin, we make poor choices, we make good choices, but we are part of of his world. The appropriate relationship between faith and culture is a transformational approach, meaning not a deformational one. 
believers must recognize first that culture is a manifestation of God's good creation, an outgrowth of human creativity and community. Secondly, that, that sin deeply infects every part of the creation, including human culture. That culture is a mere expression uh, of, of the good and bad of, of, of sin in the world. And then finally, that we can redeem culture in the name of Christ. That culture can be redeemed. It's not something other or beside or over, but it is within. And Christ transforms culture from within. The redemption, this redemption that Christ gives us is a transformation of culture by seeking, enhancing, and celebrating the original good we find in culture while identifying the effects of sin and working to reduce those effects. And the best way to reduce the effects of sin in culture is through Christ. Christ's transformational work in our lives. And so this world that belongs to God, that he created, this world where Jesus is everywhere, seeks to find those who are lost to bring them to transformation. The reason why we shouldn't worry about money is because God owns it all. And he asks us to worship him, the creator of all this. And it's important that we have that mindset. We understand who Jesus really is. He's not far distant away from us. He's not beside us. He's not against the world. He created this. And we are part of his world. And he invites us all. And that's why when we look at someone who doesn't know Jesus, who's also in God's world, we love him like God loves him. And we seek after him to introduce them to the one who made it all. This world was made by him and for him. It's the reality that we live in. We live in his world. Through culture, we can change culture, right? Through you, God can transform the very culture of your workplace, the very culture of your family, the very culture of your streets, the cities that we live in. And Christ is able to transform anyone, anytime, anywhere. That is God's ability. So he says to us, what? Matthew 6, verse 33, then seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because we are in his world. And all these things will be given to us as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I've given you a little, uh, little picture here, maybe to help you think through this. Uh, I'm going to give you a triangle. Is Andreas a poser in the house today? Andreas? I did this just for him. Andreas Oposer loves triangles. I thought, let me draw a triangle for Andreas this morning. If you're online, Andreas, we miss you. This is for you. A triangle. Seek after God's kingdom, right? This needs to be the foundation of our lives. Everything else, after that, right? The foundation is God's kingdom, everything else on top. If, and why do we do this? Why is this should be our perspective? It's for the next slide is because this is usually how we live, and a triangle that's on the end does not stand up, right? 
It just doesn't. Our lives are always in this turmoil and chaos and stress because his kingdom is not priority. It's not the foundation of our lives. His kingdom, his lordship, to seek after his kingdom and what? And his righteousness, right? Yeah. So we, we live for his lordship over our lives, his kingdom in our lives. And we live to be pure that, you know, in him, to be righteous. And, and righteousness is only possible through salvation, through his son, Jesus Christ. That's where we park. That's where we live. And that's where there's peace. And that's where there's good leadership. That's where there's, um, where life is, is truly possible and possible with peace. We're invited to peace. We're invited to God's kingdom. I want to give you one more verse here as we close this morning. Philippians 4, 6, and following. Don't be anxious about anything, but what? But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present your request to God as opposed to someone else or something else. And what happens? Verse 7. And if you want to read it with me, you're more than welcome to. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And who is worthy of those kinds of thoughts? God. God is excellent. God is true. God is noble. God is pure. God is lovely. God is admirable. God is excellent. God is praiseworthy. Think about such things. Focus there. Seek him first. Seek him first. When you look at your bank account and all of a sudden there's money missing, what's your first reaction? Or <laughs> do you go look for your pistol to find the guy who, or do you pray? You pray. We're invited to focus on him. Believers this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then begin to shift your affections towards him and away from money. Much better life. If you're not a believer this morning, then give your lives to him. Jesus said that if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that he rose from the dead, we will be saved. And do what Cindy did in her testimony. Choose to follow him. Give your life. Take him seriously. It's not too late. Cindy was 13. It's never too late. Never too late. Choose to follow him this morning. Confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that he rose from the dead. You will be saved. And you can do that now because Jesus is where? He's everywhere. And so right where you're sitting, he is there. And as you speak to him there, he will respond to you there. And he will transform your life. I invite you, if you don't know him, to follow him today. If you do know him, stop worrying and follow him. Seek after his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, um, 
you're the answer. Full stop. You're the answer. And so, Lord, we give you praise for that this morning. Lord, we give you our stress. And, Lord, we, we confess to you, Father, that we have had misplaced affections. And, Lord, we, uh, we choose today to, to love you above everything else, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.